0: Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 48. One year is in the books. Uh, 2018, December the 19th, I started this podcast and dropped my very first episode with Marco. And what a great start to the podcast. And uh, here we are, 48 episodes in, and I just am still enjoying it. I hope you're still enjoying it. Over 10,000 plays. Uh, This has been played in several different countries and all over the United States and Canada. And I just want to say thanks. Uh, You're the reason that I do it. Uh, This show is dedicated to you guys, the average Joe, the average Jill. And I love hearing your hunting stories and hearing uh, what's going on in your lives. This is Travis. I do have a little bit of a cold, so if I sound funky, that's why. But uh, as I look over my stats here um, on the the website where I kind of do this, it just blows me away, just the diversity, the the different folks from different places. Like I said, we got United States followed quickly by Australia as uh, uh, the second place, and this is just the last 10 plays. Canada, UK, it goes all the way down to South Africa. i got one person listening in South Africa, so whoever you are. Um, that's awesome. I don't know how you found out about this, but send me an email. And let me know how. Sheddinglightod at gmail.com. <laughs> I've got people listening in Charlotte, North Carolina, Chicago, Illinois, Columbus. You made the top three. And as I scroll down, um, in Chesapeake, Virginia, Littleton, Colorado, Careberry, Manitoba, Erie, Pennsylvania, Seattle, Washington, Westland, Michigan, uh, just to name a few, Kildeer, North, North Dakota. I mean, just these places that, Different dots on the map and you guys taking time out of your day to listen to this podcast makes my day. And I just want to say thank you. That is a great gift. Speaking of gifts, it is Christmas uh, just around the corner. So I wanted to get this podcast out there before then. I had a great conversation uh, recently with Daniel Mummery. You might remember Ozzy Daniel. Uh, before he's been on the podcast and a good friend of mine a guy I still keep in contact with and I wanted to have him back on and I wanted to hear a little bit about what Christmas is like in the land of the down under. So uh, I did a little bit of talk with him about that. He also has an awesome story about taking a buddy out. Uh, deer hunting. If you don't know what that is, just look up S-A-M-B-A-R deer. That'll give you a picture. Uh, should be in the profile picture whenever I release this anyway. But um, Daniel loves to hunt those sambar deer, talks about kangaroos, wallabies, and all that fun stuff, so I thought we'd throw something different in there. I uh, want to let you know that uh, we do uh, have some new videos coming out, some different things on Shedding Light uh, Outdoors, if you check that out on Facebook, YouTube, or whatever. Um, we got some doe videos that we just released. I'll be releasing my doe video soon, and so just uh, if you want to hit subscribe, uh, any of those things help. Also, with this podcast, if you subscribe and leave a review, if you enjoy this, uh, that helps from what I understand. Understand, and I think that's about all I've got today uh, as far as plugs. I just want to once again say thanks. Welcome to the show, and here's Daniel. Hey, Daniel, how's it going, man?
1: Hey, Trav, how are you, mate? Yeah, doing well, thanks. How you been?
0: Yeah, doing great. How's the uh, how's the weather down under?
1: Oh, I got a bit of fresh breeze this morning, mate. But um, the last few days it's been it's been 44 degrees, which is around about 111 your uh degrees oh, up so oh it's my getting pretty hot,
0: mate. you said 44 and i was like okay that's that's uh close to kind of where we're at 111 yeah. holy cow <laughs> so yeah. you guys are in the middle of summer right now right
1: yeah it's, it's getting pretty hot mate um we still got yeah what two two or so months left of it and, and february really probably is our hottest month um oh, wow. but yeah friday friday just gone was uh that was pretty hot i mean, yeah, um I drive a front-end loader, and the old cabin was a nice, cool 15, 16 degrees, but um, you step outside, and it sort of smacks you in the face a bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that's, that's pretty hot. Well, yeah. Good, man. Well, for those that didn't listen to the last episode, they should go back and listen to it, because it was awesome, but go ahead and give us a quick introduction into just who you are, what you do for a living, maybe tell us a little bit about family and all that, that good stuff.
1: Yeah sure mate, um, well I'm, I'm 27, um, I drive a front end loader for a, a landscaping a garden supply company, so uh, I'll load trucks and trailers and um, people's backyard trailers and and I'll sell uh, barks, mulches, pebbles, road base um, and then across the road we have a nursery and they sell all the plants and, and things like that over there. So we're pretty busy coming into Christmas, everyone's getting their yards looking nice.
0: Yeah, uh, and then uh, you're a married guy.
1: Yes, mate. So yeah, we uh, I'm married. Uh, I've got uh, a little girl. She's gone on thirteen months now, which is hectic. The last time we spoke, she was only about three and a half months. So um, we've learned a lot this year and um, <laughs> <laughs> patience and, and all that sort of stuff. And but just to see her grow and, and mature and you know just in within twelve months is is crazy. It's sort of eye opening. Um, my wife, she's, um, she's stay at home mum. Um, she was an accountant. and She's just doing some casual work from home, which is which is good. And um, yeah, I've got a just a, got a little uh, German short haired pointer um, named Rufus, and he's supposed to be a gun dog, but he's he's not. <laughs> but, um, and he's just sitting here watching me talk to you. So. Uh, yeah, it's good, mate. I've got, I've got a good life here. It's um, I enjoy it. Well,
0: good. And I wish, remind me again, uh, Daniel, which part of Australia are you in?
1: Uh, so, down the south, uh, in the bottom right-hand corner, uh, in a place called Victoria, and the city Victoria. is yeah, Bendigo.
0: Bendigo, yeah, that's right. Uh, cool, man. Well, whenever you uh, uh, kind of sent me a message there the other day saying you had more stories, I couldn't wait to get back and kind of hear things. But I, before yeah. we get into the stories, I, I thought this might be interesting a little bit. Uh, whenever I release this, it's going to be about the week of Christmas time. Um, yep. and, I mean, it's, it's basically, what, three, four days away. So tell us a little bit about christmas in australia i'm a little curious to see is there any uh, major differences or anything i mean just what do you guys do for christmas uh in the land of the down under
1: yeah yeah look i was thinking about that the other other day Trav. it's it's quite different i guess because obviously the weather is a huge difference you know you guys are having snow and and um you know we all the christmas movies we watch they're all american so that's all we see is is snow you guys are getting and (laughs) And the ice and all the ice skating rinks and all that sort of stuff. But over here, it's um, you know, yeah, like I said, it's it's summer, so it's pushing 30 to 40 degrees, and uh, so you know, what's that about 100? you 100 Fahrenheit. Um, and look, honestly, mate, um, most people are in shorts and thongs or flip flops, and um, you know, in singlets, and and it's uh, we have barbecues. Most people have barbecues, um, prawns steaks, snags, or sausages, uh, chops, and, and a lot of people do, obviously, the hams, um, roast pork and lamb and all that sort of good stuff, mate. Um, and then what else? We sort of, yeah, well, I mean, we play a bit of backyard cricket, uh, which is, you know, the rules change every time, so they not <laughs> say the same. <laughs> uh, look, it changes, mate, and, and obviously the beach, you know, being summer, people love going down to the beach, um, and... Yeah, I mean, people like, you can, you can get a you can get a cool day, but this year, yeah, it's going to be pretty hot. Yeah. Uh,
0: you guys, Christmas tree? I, I can't picture you guys doing Christmas trees in that, in that scenario.
1: Uh, yeah. yeah, for sure, mate. Yeah, well, you know, we're just a small America, mate. We do whatever you do, we do. So. <laughs> 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 we, um, yeah, we do the old Christmas tree, mate. Um, some people rarely, rarely get any, you know, like you guys have your live Christmas trees, you go and cut them down. We just have the old fake ones. Um, there's some pretty cool ones getting around now. You know, they're just they're, they're different colors and they have lights, lights in the trees already. Don't have to add anything to them. But my wife, she loves it. Uh, this year, she set it up without me, and she doesn't. That doesn't fuss her one bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you guys, uh,
0: what? I'm curious. What do you call the big dude uh, with the white beard? Uh, what, what's 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 his name oh, yeah. down there?
1: Yeah, just Santa.
0: Aussies, that, okay.
1: Aussies keep it short, mate. Santa. Santa. Uh,
0: okay. I didn't know uh, if it was Father Santa's Christmas or it. anything like that. I know that's that's a little different in some places. Yeah. Father Christmas.
1: That's right. Yeah. No, nah, it's just Santa, mate. That's it. That's
0: all right. <laughs> Good deal. Well, that's awesome, man. So, so basically the same, except it's just the summer. So it would be a little bit, you know, people in Florida might be able to relate, you know, they, you know, that whenever the song's like, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, it's a pretty big dream down in Florida or uh, in Australia for that to (laughs) come true.
1: Yeah, Uh, exactly. Exactly right, mate. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's really good, mate. It's a good time of year. People, um, I guess, I don't know, Christmas does a lot for people and, and whether, whether, um, you know i guess you uh, people are christians or not you know christmas is that family time of year and 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 people sort of um they really enjoy it and everyone seems to get along a bit better for some reason and and you know stepping out and helping each other and and just i don't know you notice a change you know it's from throughout the year so yeah that's a really nice time of year everyone's everyone's really kind and helpful and really quite giving i guess
0: yeah, I think that's one of my favorite parts. We um, we do, we've tried to get to know our neighbors over the last few years, and just last night we had, um, oh, there's probably 15, 20 folks came over to our house for yeah. a kind of a Christmas party, and they all brought food, and we played some games and stuff. And it's, you know, we do that throughout the year, but, you know, Christmas kind of gives you another reason, just it's another time to get together, and it, it can be stressful, but it's also yeah. if you sit back and just, take a deep breath and just remember what it's about you know that's that's it's a good thing
1: absolutely mate yeah no you're right
0: yeah good well let's let's jump into some hunting stories i know that's what maybe some guys are waiting for here so (laughs) uh you know some people waiting for christmas some people are waiting for us to get to some hunting stories so Daniel, what what hunting stories you got up your sleeve for us today
1: oh mate well um i've got uh two samba stories Uh, i do hunt other things but you know samba's Samba deer are what I, I love to hunt the most, um, but I hunt them the least because <laughs> yeah. there's access-wise, you know, two or three times a year, get out some good quality trips. But um, look, mate, I've, I've been on a couple of hunts this year uh, since I spoke to you last. I took a young fellow out from church, and uh, he'd never been before, and, and he's used to be in the Army for a little bit, so I thought he yeah. might handle it and enjoy it. So we went up and had a look around, and we, we didn't see any deer, but we um, went up and placed some trail cameras up there, uh, at a place we call one preach hill there's a there's a preaching tree at the top of the ridge and that's just what we called it so we went up there and um, we actually nearly shot a wild dog so um, we you know want have herd of dingoes well they cross with um, they crossbreed with wild dogs so we had one come running down the ridge towards us and um, I didn't realize it was a dog until i saw its tail and it stopped about six meters from me through the thick through the thick bush and i took a shot. And I, I missed, actually, but I didn't really aim. I was just a bit flustered that it was there. So <laughs> had it. I missed it, mate, and that's just how it was. But that was a good trip. Um, Dad and I ended up going away in August uh, to a new spot. I had a look around, and we were um, coming back towards camp, and we uh, we had a, a doe break loose, a break cover about 30 metres down the ridge from us. And um, she honked to start with and took off to, her le- to our left. And I, I saw her coming through, and got the gun up and i think i might have led too far and i shot straight right in front of her um Damn. so i was you can't get any closer than that so that's my closest opportunity for the year um but before maybe, we get
0: before we get too far uh, remind yeah. guys what a, what a sandbar deer looks like uh s-a-m-b-a-r sandbar deer, right. Sand deer. Uh, what's yeah so these things they're i mean they're big right they're kind of a big uh, the pictures i've seen they kind of look almost maybe a little bit smaller than elk would that be comparable
1: Oh yeah, they're not as big as elk, mate. But they look—they are quite a, a good size animal, especially a, a big stag, a mature stag. I, I, don't, know, I don't know. Look, I, I don't know what they weigh. People reckon 600 six hundred pound. I don't know. Not, yeah. We call it yellows. So I don't know what that would be in kilograms, but yeah, I'm not sure. Look, they're up there, mate. If you if you're if you cut up a back leg, I mean, it's it's a one it's a one-way trip with a back leg. So yeah, look, they're probably they're probably compared to say a man six foot. I'd say their shoulders probably five foot. Their antlers would be six five, maybe. Mm-hmm. If they got antlers, they'd be six five. Um, but yeah, they're, look, they're a big, heavy deer, and um, they're the most kind of cunning
0: brown, darker, darker colour. dark,
1: a dark brown, mate. Yeah, you you thought the uh, one behind me last time was an elk, so they've got <laughs> they've got big ears, and they're they're a dark brown um, animal. Yeah, with it, and they have like a ginger rump, so that okay. that sticks out. That sticks out. Um, quite a bit when, you, when you're hunting and you can you can see that. So that can give them away sometimes. So um, when, when
0: you're going in after these guys, Daniel, I just want to interrupt you for a second just so yeah, to kind of get a picture on. of this. What's, what style, are you doing a lot of a spot and stalk or are you guys kind of looking for trails and sitting down and, and waiting for them to cross? What's, what's your like your go-to method for trying to get on these deer?
1: Yeah, good question, mate. Um, we, we personally stalk them, spot and stalk, or we just – we just go to places where we think they're going to be, and um, you know we'll, we'll find game trails. Pardon me, or um, uh, like rub trees. So when they, you know, same as you guys, you might call them scrapes or something, and, and um, yep. they'll rub their their velvet off their antlers. Um, or there's we have they have wallows, so they like to. Um, that's where they sort of scent mark. So they'll go and they'll wee in the wee in the water, and they'll wallow around in it, and then they'll go out and and spread their their scent and spread the, the mud around on the trees and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you'll, you'll check them. They're really good for, you know, finding fresh sign and then going from there. But, yeah, look, there's uh, something I forgot to mention last time. There's a uh, one of the ways you can hunt Sambra in Australia is you can use hounds. So you can either have a dog like mine, a German short pointer or a wire head pointer as a companion dog, or you can use um, – You can be a part of a hound crew so there might be say 10 or 12 blokes or females doesn't matter men or women and they'll have a a pack of dogs say six to eight dogs thereabouts there's rules and regulations on that so and you can and it has to be a certain breed so like beagles or bloodhounds Um, and what they'll do is they'll they'll start up high so they'll have their their base camp and they'll have the dogs they might have three or four dogs in each um in each truck and they'll station their hunters um, on, on what I just said, wallows, game trails, ridgelines, um, saddles okay. and things like that. And they'll what they'll do is they'll walk the dogs in and when they get onto a scent, they'll they'll let them loose. And that's what they do. They, they'll they scent trail the deer and, and the blokes go after them. And um, it's quite a... Look, it's not my cup of tea, mate, in the sense. I, I can't really judge a book by its cover because I've never been on an actual hound hunt, but I've got caught up in a couple of them uh, because they've come, <laughs> they've come through where we're stalking see yeah so and 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 it's quite i mean i think people like it travel because it's it's um action packed yeah. you know you, you're on the run you've got two-way radios going you know the deer's going through here you know you need to cut up across that gully over there and try and cut it off and um people really people really get into it and and they do take a lot of deer Trav. um they'll they might take four deer one day then i heard we bumped into one crew on our way into a hunt a few years ago and um they'd taken 11 deer the weekend before which is a huge amount of deer um think about it that's 44 legs of meat yeah it's just it's just it's crazy i mean i've taken two deer in 15 years as a stalker and i mean i'm no i'm no professional hunter mate but i've I've had my opportunities and i just haven't made them made them happen but you know, these people get a lot of deer through the hounds, and which is good because it keeps the numbers down. We're we're having issues on on fringe country near farms and stuff with the amount of deer now. So, um, I mean, if you walk in the high country, you wouldn't even know they were there when it looks when you look at the scrub. But if you go to the go to the farmland, you know you'll see you'll see herds of ten and twenty deer on certain properties. So that's why they're becoming a pest. So the yeah. hounds do a good job in in keeping the numbers steady.
0: It, mm. I don't know. I think that that's a controversial, um, I think that it just kind of depends on where you're from too in the United States. I know there are certain places, certain States that allow, uh, you to run dogs, um, on different spots. My buddy, uh, Bobby, who's on been on the podcast before he's yep. he's had to deal with some of that on public land. And, Wrong. um, you know, there's certain rules about how you do it, uh, but it's not something that we've ever been allowed to do in Ohio, but we have growing up, we did deer drives. So a lot of push the okay. deer and things like that. And that, there's a lot of guys that hate that type of thing too. And so, you know, it's, 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 I think everybody's kind of got to determine what the way that they want to hunt. You can't, um, you can't always figure it out for everybody else, but that's, uh, that's, that's it does make it challenging though, for sure. I mean, whenever you've got, um, <laughs> dogs running through your setup, hoping that you see a deer come through.
1: Absolutely. And look, yeah, it can, it can sort of, as a stalker, it can stuff up your weekend because, yeah. um, you know they can they can walk they can run through three or four gully systems in half an hour you know whereas we we would hunt that in two or three days and you've you know you've been away for a good trip but they they run through kilometers of country chasing these deer so look i'm not i'm really not bagging it out um they they yeah. do a good job and, and they get some good deer out of it uh but for me personally um yeah i just prefer to stalk them it's um it's more, yeah. it's calmer, it's quieter, the deer aren't stressed as much, that sort of stuff. So, Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, look, it's good, mate. And, and um, yeah, I've got a story here for you. Um, I, I took a mate by the name of Adam Popple. I took him samba hunting back in October on the Friday the 11th. And um, the way I met him was through a mate at work, and he got me into duck hunting four years ago. And Adam probably joined us probably two years ago. And um, he's a builder. He's, um, he's done a few extensions for us. And, uh, we, you know, when he's been around doing them, we've we've been talking about Samba Deer and, and the trips I've been on and, and things like that, and, and he's had an interest in it. So he he thought, you know, I'm going to have to do that. It sounds, sounds pretty good. He usually does a lot of fox shooting. So he, he whistles foxes um, and, and spot, spotlights them. Um, very similar to that episode you had about those coyote fellas yeah yeah similar to that he does a lot of that shooting um so i was talking to him and he said yeah look i'll I'll go out and get my game license um to hunt samba and i'll I'll go out and buy he bought himself a 308 in a a remington uh rifle and um yeah we were like kids mate you know you start talking about you know this hunt coming up and we booked it probably two or three months in advance and yeah he'd come over and just the excitement of the build-up, which just you know, you know, what it's like anyone knows insane. what it's like. Yeah. It's just, it's, yeah, it's all, you're like kids in a candy store, mate. You just, yeah, I guess. My, my uh, wife
0: got so tired of hearing me and Travis Shire talk about elk hunting, you know, it's <laughs> like, that's all you talk about for like months and then it finally happens Then it's like, yeah, I, I'm sick of talking about that now.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But the build-up, I mean, I think that's partly what we love about hunting is, is the build-up and yeah. uh, all that sort of stuff, so. We, uh, we, I left work early on a, on a Friday, it was uh, about 3.30 and got to his place and we packed, packed a car and said goodbye to his wife and his girls and we headed off and um, it was about a two and a half hour drive to Mansfield and about another 40 minutes to where we were going to camp. It was one of the closer places that I hunt and it's actually a nice place to take new people that haven't been in the bush before. So we headed off and we got about an hour and a half down the track, uh, down, down the highway and i i I missed a turn i wasn't driving normally i'm driving but this time adam was and i must have been on my phone playing tunes or something and i I missed the turn off so we ended up going through to a place called violet town and i didn't click because we normally go through there to a different spot and um we got up over the freeway and started to head back into the into this bushy country um, place called Strathbogie ranges and i thought it just doesn't look right anyway worked out that i'd i'd bug it up and we ended up adding about forty kilometres to our trip.
0: <laughs> oh no!
1: Yeah, it it turned out alright, uh, Trav. I, we um, we came across a, a dead stag on the side of the road, actually, being hit by a car. Um, and it was really nice country. We were just poking our way through the forest, and we'd never been there before, and probably never go back. But it was a good it was a good spot and um, nice scenery. So I got out and had a look at that and showed him showed him his first deer on the side of the road. Um, we ended up sorry it's me, dog get away we ended up <laughs> heading out to, um getting back on the main road and, and headed through to mansfield and and up and to we, we turned off to go to a hunting spot so we turned down to a place called um buttercup creek um where it's about three k's along the along the creek and then we come to an intersection and you turn right and it's about 150 meters around the corner just park off the side of the road and and make camp there but obviously you know you trip on the way up you're, you're talking about what could happen and and what you'd like to happen and and you know it was all about timing like i said I oh, i was quite frustrated that we took the wrong turn but um he said look it doesn't matter mate you know you never know what's going to happen it could be good timing well we get to this intersection to turn right and there's a doe standing right in the middle of the road looking at us <laughs> and we just you know obviously we just got so excited the fact it was one that close to camp so she actually just stood there and looked at us and then she moseyed on into the bush and stood there for two minutes and looked at us and had a bit of a browse on the bushes there and Adam got a little bit of footage on his phone and then off she went. So we thought, oh, what are we going to do? You know, like how good would that be to get one the night before we even start hunting? So, yeah, we, we got to camp and parked the car and put our camo on. We thought, we've got to go and have a look. So we, we had about an hour and a half daylight, thereabouts, so headed back in there and found her tracks, but we didn't come across her at all. We we just it was actually just quite good to get Adam in the bush and get him a feel of what the next day was going to be like. Um, so we did that and got back to camp on dark and set up and just you know had a bite to eat and you know had a, had a chat around the fire, which is something Aussies really love to do. They they love a they love a good fire and a good a good chat. You know it it sort of um, it can really I don't know it can really make a make a conversation you know standing there looking at a fire it's sort of a bit mesmerizing so um it was really nice we um got up about 5 30 next morning saturday morning and we headed off into the bush by six just just starting to get a bit daylight and um I'd, I'd, i'd previously been looking at google earth obviously studying the map of where we were going to be hunting and I hadn't hunted that side of the road. I'd been there a couple of years before, and um, and with a with a bow and arrow actually, and I nearly had an opportunity on a doe on the other side of the road. So I said, to Adam, we'll go up this other side that I hadn't been to before, and there was on Google Earth, I could see at the top, at the at the far back um, section of this gully that we we're going to hunt, this long sort of a valley, was some really nice grassy section so you could see you could just see through the trees that there was some nice patches of grass and i said that's what i want to get to i didn't know how long it was going to take because when you when you're stalking you can cover 500 meters in two hours if you want so it was probably about a k and a half back so we we headed up this ridge and it was just a nice sloping ridge we could so you could probably see about 150 odd meters in front of us so um which is which is quite open for our bush Mm-hmm. and we sort of walked about well, probably 50 meters apart um, line of sight and I crossed a wallaby up the top there um, a wallaby is just a, a small type of kangaroo um, different uh, he's, he's a black they call it a black wallaby
0: mm.
1: um, and he he just went off to my right hand side and we continued on and got to the top of this little ridge stopped and had a bite to eat and um, just had a chat about where we should go next and I was gonna I was gonna go down to our left and Adam said, no, nah, I reckon we should just we'll stay up high and we'll go around to our right and we'll we'll do a bit of a circle and um, stay in the gully system, and but we'll head up towards that spot that I want to go to. So he went along the ridge and I dropped down 20, 30 metres because and, and, it was quite thick below us, and we're going to push through the thicket and come out the other side. So I pushed through and I bumped a, a bird called a lyre bird. Um, it's a really pretty looking bird. It's got some really big fan fan sort of tails um feathers on this tail which is a bit hard to explain but it's called a liar bird because it mimics different birds and i don't know why it does it um one of god's amazing creations mate but can actually it's amazing it can actually mimic machinery so really yeah there's a there's a there's a um a recording somewhere and i don't know where it is but i've heard it before and there was a recording of a liar bird mimicking a chainsaw and it's no joke like it, it it's i don't know how it learns it obviously you know if it's around in the right place that people are using chainsaws enough it gets it picks it up somehow and, and it knows how to how to mimic that so that's pretty cool so i pushed one of them out of the bush and i met adam probably 100 meters further down and uh we're hunting along and, and we started to hear some dogs barking and it was someone's hound crew like i was explaining to you before i said oh you know (laughs) i had mixed mixed feelings about that because obviously you know they're coming through where we're hunting um but also also there's an opportunity you know if we're if we're if they are where we are well they could push a deer to us at any time so i said look we'll we'll stay here for a few minutes and we'll 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 wait and see what happens but the 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 barking sort of faded away and we ended up continuing on and we came to a an old bulldozer track um and I didn't even know it was there actually. I didn't see it on Google Earth. Um, but it was it's quite a quite a decent track. And we got there and and thought, well, we, this might take us all the way to that spot that I want to get to. And I thought we can we can stalk our way through, but again, I didn't know how long it was going to take. So Adam said, Well, let's just let's just follow this track. There's some good sign on it. There was deer crossing it here and there, and nothing fresh, but the, the deer sign was still there. So we, we continued on and I don't know how far we would have gone, maybe maybe six hundred metres. Um and it then it went really steep. So we, we went up there and we cut back into the bush. And uh Adam was always in front. I sort of let him let him go forward and sort of experience the hunt a bit instead of you know being led everywhere. And um we sort of contoured around around the top of this, and we were a bit higher than than before now so we probably gained about 200 meters elevation um and we we snuck around and looking down (coughs) excuse me looking down into the into the valley was just really nice like there was sort of knee height waist height fernery um ferns down there and (coughs) sorry what the what the uh, samba does like to do when they get pregnant and they and they give birth they'll they'll um bed their fawns there So it's really secure and, you know, quite safe for them. They don't have a scent for quite a while. So they'll just bed their fawns up there and they'll come and check on them every now and then or whatever they do. Mm -hmm. Also, it's a good place because where we were was probably, we are probably about a kilometre in by then. And to be sitting there waiting, you know, at the time we were or even earlier, as the deer make their way back from feeding throughout the night, um, they come back up and we're about two thirds of the way up up the ridge which um they really like they like to bet about that about that height so we're in a good position and um I said well we're gonna have to come back here one day and just sit and wait because you just you just never know and that's something a lot of Aussies don't do actually we don't sort of sit and wait like you fellas do. Um you guys have a lot of patience. I don't know how you sit in those tree stands for Ten or twelve hours, Trav. You're champions at doing that.
0: (laughs) Uh, I I like I like the ten minute deal that worked out this year for me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, congratulations too, mate. You've you've worked out. (laughs) <laughs> yeah you've worked hard for yeah
0: that. i don't like to wait it's just uh i it's hard to spot and suck there's guys that can do it but on whitetail it is extremely hard to do it you know that's that's the yeah. challenging part
1: I, yeah. I can imagine and you guys have really you know like when it's fall obviously the the, the leaves would be just so so noisy it's sort of part of yeah. the reason why we don't hunt summer it's just so crunchy and dry it's just not worth doing it right yeah so look we um we we stalked around there and we came across a, a rub tree um deer you know, obviously all, all deer do it but um yeah they rub their antlers on these trees and they'll they'll rub their velvet off once they uh their antlers go hard and um i got a video i got a video of that and a bit of uh, and a few photos and i explained what it was to adam and why they do it and um it's a bit of a you know deer stags will come past and they'll get others other stags sent so they know who's been around and who they what, need to what, fight, what? fight next
0: what time of year is that typically for you guys that that the antlers go from velvet to hard and they rub it off
1: yeah interesting question mate um it used to be quite set it used to be sorry it used to be over sort of the summer periods they'd be dropping their antlers and growing them Uh, and then their rut the rut would be maybe july august september thereabouts uh, which is our winter obviously and um but the thing is it's sort of changed over time for some reason uh someone said that it's because of you know if they breed at a certain time you know some some hinds come into cycle at a certain time and they'll they'll get pregnant and, and, and they'll drop their fawns well as they grow they're they're at a different age or stage than the next year so you might have a stag that's hard antler in october and you might have another one that's in velvet in October just because of when they were born and, and all that sort of stuff. So,
0: hmm.
1: lately, yeah, the last 10, 12 years or so, it's people have noticed that it's, it, there's no real pattern anymore. So, um, they, yeah. yeah, they, yeah that's, they, just, they,
0: that's interesting to me because, you know, rut, typically in the United States, we think of rut kind of being that same, you know october november december kind of period depending on where you're at in the u.s so for you guys it, i had to flip that in my mind for a second I was like wait a second you guys be in southern hemisphere that's going to be yep. a different time over there obviously so mm. okay cool yeah that's right
1: yeah so i guess it's uh yeah it depends on a few different things um yeah so they'll um they rub those trees and we i sat there and i made a few phone calls just to see how the wife was going and checked on my mom and adam continued on and just he just um glassed down these these nice little finger gullies and probably this time it was probably about twelve thirty ish, and we come around. We, we went about another hundred and fifty meters from that rub tree, and he he'd gone down probably eighty meters below me, and we both contoured around at the same time. And we actually stumbled upon that that grassy spot a lot quicker than I thought, and obviously because we got there via going along that road. But um, and it was exactly what I thought it was. It was a really nice sort of an area, and it it uh, just sort of rolls down into the gully, and there's some really thick stuff down below. So the stags would love to sit in there and and just I don't know chew their card and whatever they do, and they'd mosey on out and they'd have a feed. It's really nice country. So anyway, what happened was I I bumped this big grey kangaroo about six foot tall, and he went hammering downhill. <laughs> that's
0: he a went, big kangaroo six foot yeah, tall yeah,
1: Jeez. Yeah, a big kangaroo yeah and obviously they get taller when they fight because they sit back on their tails and they kick each other with their legs but um he went he went hammering downhill and, and i'm looking at adam and adam was unaware see so he's standing there looking for deer downhill and then he hears a commotion hears something coming towards him so he gets a big fright and he gets all you know gets his firearm up and he's looking around for, his, for this deer and realizes it's a kangaroo <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he looks at me and he's just sort of patting his patting you know thumping his heart going i just had a heart attack but um yeah that was pretty funny for me watching him watching him experience that Uh, because i'll tell you what i've had i've had plenty of moments like that myself you you think a deer's broken cover and it's just a it's just a wallaby or something Mm. and um so we continued on had lunch up there trav and probably we probably hung up there for probably 45 minutes or so looking around and we thought well we better sort of make our way back we're going to stalk our way back so take us some time and he said look I want to split up again so he he dropped down a little bit on the same place on the same side we just walked and I went down across a little ridge and pushed down into the thicket um to see what I could push out and and if if he got a shot then he'd he'd be above the deer sneaking out well I come through there and nothing nothing came of it but he said he heard he heard a thumping like something hopping or and and I said look I've heard that myself before and, and a deer a deer's got a heavy body, and, and they do make a little bit of noise when they if they jump a log or something. And um, he would have just that deer would have snuck out of there. Um, so I met back up with him again, and and it started to rain, uh, it's probably about about 1:30 by now. And we we just hunted our way back down closer to the to the creek and headed back towards camp. And about two hours later, we we heard um we heard the hounds pick up again but they're actually above us where we originally found that bulldozer track and i said load your gun because it sound it sounded like they were coming down towards us and what happens is i actually forgot at the time was that that the hounds are always i mean the deer's always probably a hundred odd meters in front of the in front of the dog so if the dog's are getting loud the deer are actually closer mm-hmm. and i thought about that so But what happened was the dogs actually headed up to where we just come from at the back end of that gully. And uh, I said to Adam, look, you know, you never know. They they could, like I said, they could push it towards us. But what can happen is on these hunts, um, a dog or two can go astray and get a different scent so they can head off and and they'll be scent trailing and they'll be barking and wolfing and carrying on and they're not actually onto anything. So I, I wasn't overly concerned, you know, I was like, what's the chances they're actually onto a deer? So we we continued on and they went further back up the gully and uh we came to it, it stopped raining and we came to a little we came to a road that actually went back to camp. It was a different road and we it was no longer used. It's this trees falling all over it. And it stopped raining and the sun came out and I said to I said to Popple, There's a good chance that we could get onto a deer now, mate, because, you know, it's been a bit cool and a bit of rain and They'll be hungry and 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 they want to dry out and they want to get this warm sun. So, we come across this little dry bed creek and it actually turned out to be the dry bed creek that we crossed at the top when we first climbed that first ridge. We dropped down and I dropped down and spotted that lyrebird, <laughs> that creek, that creek that I was going to turn left down. Well, we would have come out there. So I'm glad we didn't do that and we did what Adam suggested. So, I. Went through this dry bed creek and I said, I'll meet you at the, I'll meet you just up on top of the ridge there. Probably only 20 metres above that creek. He's putting his wet gear away um, in his backpack and whatever. And I met him at the top there. This is about three o'clock now, so we've been hunting for nine hours. And we, we stood there for five minutes talking because camp was literally, it was down that ridge. We only had 350, 400 metres to walk to camp. So pretty much our hunt was almost over, and we're like, we don't want to go back to camp yet. We've still got four hours of daylight, so what can we do? So we discussed that we'd we'd, we'd sort of climb back up to where we started the hunt, and we'd look down the other side of the of the ridge and sort of just glass down there for for an hour or two. So I said, right, I will do that, and I walked about 20 meters, and I forgot to mention that the dogs a few hours later the dogs had picked up again. And this time they were sort of quite close, maybe two or three hundred meters. And and again, I was a bit—I I wasn't thinking that they could be onto a deer. I was more so thinking they were just chasing scent. So I wasn't—I sort of made that mistake. Um, I continued on twenty meters, and I looked back, and Adam's still standing there. I was sort of looking back to see how he's going, and he's still standing there, and he's looking back to where we just come from. I thought, what are you—what are you looking down there for? And he's getting real serious, like he was like he was listening or watching something. And then he slams a bolt forward on his rifle and shoulders it. I think he's getting serious now. And the next minute, bang. <laughs> I thought, what? What's it? What are you shooting at? And, and and then I can just hear this deer just hightail it below me and like galloping. And um I I loaded my rifle and tried to run down to see if I'd get a shot. And I I didn't see it. And like a, talk about adrenaline pumping, mate. Like this—that's what we love about deer hunting. It's you, you walk and you walk and you walk and you walk. Next minute, it's all on. So yeah. I went back and i, was, I said, "What happened?" I, he said, "I just shot a deer." I said, "What?" I said, because I thought, you see, because the dogs are pushing it. I thought, well, he's just had a snapshot because the deer's on the run. But obviously, as as the day goes on, if the deer, if the dogs are chasing the deer for a while, the deer is just on a on a gradual on a gradual trot. So what happened, he said, I oh, said oh, I could hear sticks cracking behind me. And um, so I stayed here and I waited. Next minute, this deer just comes out of the bush, stops broadside, looks at him, and then he had all these things running through his head. Do I call Dan? What do I do? Do I just shoot it? What do I do? So he goes, not nah, stuff that. So he just, yeah, that's when I saw him shoot the thing. And um, she just took off and she ran up up this Drybed creek and and i said look we just got to calm down now we just got to stop we got to go back find out where you shot her from and and try and find some blood and try and find some tracks so we walked back probably 40 50 meters and i said where'd you shoot her from he said honestly mate he said i, I don't even remember what the bush looked like i just so focused on her i said i can understand i can understand that and uh so we're looking along, for looking for blood, looking for tracks, and I couldn't see anything. And I thought, oh, how are we going to do this? Like, she could have gone anywhere. I know the direction she ran, but I didn't know if she'd cut back across that creek or gone up over the ridge. I didn't know what she did. And because it was hard ground, even though it was raining, it was still hard ground and, and it was hard tracking. Well, well this is, well, I don't know, two or three minutes later, you hear the dogs. Woo, 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 woo. And I thought, oh, we'll just follow the dogs. You know, they'll, they'll soon find her for us. So I hung back and I filmed Adam actually just for a bit of keepsake footage, and he went on and went down into the creek and looked around, and probably ten minutes within ten minutes, um, he yells out, he goes, "I found her, Dan!" I thought you're kidding, like it just and it's all come together, you know. The bloke's on his first samba hunt ever, and you know I ain't no guide, Trav. Like I'm just a bloke, (laughs) I'm just a bloke taking taking a bloke out trying to find deer. And um, you know, my wife actually joked with me before I left and said, "Oh, she said, um, she said, how would you be if he shoots a deer and you've been hunting for five years and haven't taken one for ages?" You know, well, she cursed me because that's what happened. And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah. good, and just the <clears throat> just the the excitement and the adrenaline, like I said, and, and and to I walked down and and mate, I was just beaming for this fellow. Yeah, I said, congratulations, and shook his hand. And, you know, he said, oh, I never would have found her in here, you know. And the dogs really, really made it easy to find her. And, um, you know, he was just, he was over the moon. I was over the moon, just the fact that it had all gone down like that. Um, so we, we took some photos and some videos, and uh, she was just laying there. She probably would have been about five years old. Something. She was a mature doe.
0: Yeah.
1: Big, big body. Um, and, yeah we started to cut her up and it's look it's been a long time since i cut up a deer mate i'm trying to explain it to him and remember at the same time um and so we just sort of had a bit of a go and got a leg off and chucked it away for the dogs because there was i think there was two or three beagles there at that point point. and um we tried to get them away from the deer so we could butcher it properly but they kept sort of bugging us but that was all right um and then about half an hour later we hear a voice yell out how'd you go I said, yeah, good, mate. You know, Adam just shot his first deer, and he's like, oh yeah, top stuff. And um, he came down and had a chat with us, and it was the owner of the dogs. See, so they've got tracking collars on them, right? Uh, and you legally have to because you can obviously the dogs can run for days and they can get lost, but they got these tracking collars on them, and so that's how they that's how they cut these dogs off. They or they know that the deer have stopped because the dogs have stopped, and they've got them on their GPS. So I guess it's a bit like um, <clears throat> it's a bit like the you know they hunt cougars and bobcats and whatever with, with your coon dogs or whatever yep. they are.
0: Yep.
1: Uh, they got GPS collars, so they they track him. And he came down and said good day. And I thought, I'll oh, you know hunter's ethic. You know he's he's obviously helped us get this deer with his dogs. And um, I said, do you want to do you want a bit of meat, mate? said, No, nah, mate. You're right. He, he said we shot three stags this morning off the dogs. And I thought, oh right, eh. No worries. So <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> Yeah. So look, we had a good chat with him, and and he hung around for a little bit. He showed us obviously being an expert he'd he'd actually that deer shot off those dogs was number 137 for the year and they have a five-month season so that's a lot of deer for one and that's only one hand crew there's a lot of hand crews in victoria so like i said they they knock the numbers pretty well um yeah so he showed us how to cut that deer up and he took his dogs off they went and yeah we we butchered her up we took a leg each and a back strap and headed out we only had to walk 400 meters and, and downhill and we are back at camp. And I, <clears throat> I looked at Adam, I said, hey, mate, I said, are hey, you hooked? He goes, yep, I'm hooked. So uh-huh. yeah, now he's just samba, 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 you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he loves it. It doesn't, it doesn't matter which part of the world you live in. Whenever you take a buddy out for the first time and they have success like that, there's just nothing better. for You know, to see them get excited about it. And, it's almo- I mean, it's almost, maybe it's even more, rewarding than whenever you get yeah. one yourself, you know, it's just exciting to have that happen.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you obviously sharing that experience. And I guess to think, you know, a lot of people, travel don't get out and see this stuff. Um, they don't have the experience or they don't, you know, they're not involved with anyone who's, who does this stuff. And um, I guess more so, you know, city slickers, uh, you know, they miss, out on a lot, they, they miss out on a lot of this stuff, you know, uh, in the sense of God's creation. And, you know, you know Again, I think we mentioned it last time. It's a lot more. There's so much more to it than the hunt, you know. There's so much more to it than than taking an animal, putting it on the ground. You know, it's we see so many things that you don't see sitting on the couch at home. You know, yeah. we we see you know huge toadstools like mushrooms and 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 incredible looking insects and things like that that you just don't see even in your hometown. So to take someone up there and um, get him to experience that uh was just it was really, really good you know and and for him to to have success like that was just you know it was a fairy tale mate you know
0: yeah, as you're describing the landscape i 'm trying to picture it in my mind and you're talking about jumping up kangaroos and wallabies yeah. and stuff like i don 't know just it 's almost like a fantasy world, i think um one of the things you talk about just exploring god 's creation um mm. I think, uh, part of it is that we were just made to explore. Like there's just something about us, you know, and I don't know if it's a guy thing, girl thing. I think there's some girls that that have that too, and maybe some guys that don't care as much, but it Mm -hmm. does seem to me just to be like this. I love hunting like spots I've never been before because of the Mm -hmm. anticipation or the excitement, new landscape, new trees, new, you know, Mm -hmm. it just, um, i don't know i think there's something in us that desires to know more uh there's you know you don't some people get pretty comfortable with what they have but i i always want to see new areas try out new things you know it's always exciting to me
1: yeah definitely mate yep no it's uh it's a good thing and i'm really glad that you know it was passed down through my dad um and and now i can share my experiences with other people and you know and and that's something he can do with his kids one day, if they're interested, you know, it's sort of it's it's one one act like that, one one suggestion of hey, do you want to do you want to go up the bush? Can can do a lot for someone. So it's, it's, uh, for me, it's my getaway. It's my headspace. It's my you know, my uh, getaway thinking sort of time. I really find that I'm not thinking about my phone. I'm not thinking about you know work or or the world when I get away. Um, just look at that fire and and just. Oh, yeah, like I said, it's mesmerising and, and and it's just it's fantastic time away from mm. from from everything we do every day. I guess. Yeah. But, yeah, um, that's great. So yeah, so I guess uh, we we ended up going back to camp, mate, and we dropped we dropped our stuff off, and my back was a little bit sore. It's getting a bit a bit tender, and he goes, oh, he goes, oh, I haven't come here to sit around camp, Dan. Let's let's go for another hunt. I said, oh, let's well, just sit here for half an hour. What do you reckon? <laughs> And um, so I said, right, we'll we'll head out for the last two hours daylight. I said, look, you've pretty much experienced everything you can experience for a samba hunt. You've experienced rain, you've experienced hound hunting, you've experienced shooting a deer and and finding tracks and all that sort of stuff. I said, but you haven't been honked yet. And I said, I'd I'd love to get honked. So anyway, we headed up across the other side of camp to this pretty much repeated a hunt that I did a few years ago with a bow and arrow. We came across the thicket, real thick stuff. I went down a little creek and up onto a little clearing. And I thought, last time I got caught out in the open, so I'll stick in the bush line. We walked about probably 25 metres and my curiosity got the better of me and I went out and had a look at a bit of a muddy spot to check some tracks. Well, I walked 15 metres and I looked back to my about 3 o'clock and there's a deer standing there looking at me. I would have bumped straight into her if I didn't head out in the open. And she honks me, turns and runs, and I just didn't have a chance to get the gun up. So, and and that pretty much concluded our hunt. We walked back and, um, yeah, got back before dark and just talked about what happened throughout the day for the rest of the night. Really. So I'm, gonna these,
0: to, I'm gonna have to get on YouTube and listen to one of these amber deer honking, as you say. <laughs> I
1: want yeah. to know what that sounds like. <laughs> there would be there would be a few. There'd be a few on there, mate. So if yeah. you type in amber deer honking, you you'll find something. Yeah. Yeah, it's, awesome, good sound. it's a good sound yeah so no, it's uh it was it was a great hunt i've had a good year this year um haven't put any deer on the ground myself but you know that's that's as close as you get it's did um, you um it's just pumped
0: did you get a kangaroo did i think you had mentioned uh, something about that didn't you
1: yes i uh, not on that we didn't hunt kangaroos up there but um probably a few months after i spoke to you i went out with a couple of mates and um did some of the best shooting i've ever done <laughs> uh with the lever action and we we entered this this paddock and um my mate ben <coughs> sorry my mate ben he had the spotlight and looked up and there's probably about six or seven kangaroos just standing there looking at us so just i oh, just reaction um, got down on one knee and just started bang bang bang, bang and just dropped three in a row so the boys from church they were pretty impressed and i was impressed myself quietly because i <laughs> Uh, that's that's the only kangaroo hunting i've done since since we spoke
0: oh man that's good stuff
1: it's great
0: Uh, good well daniel it's always good talking to you a little bit uh hearing your stories and just it makes me want to come down there and try it sometime that just sounds like a lot of fun
1: yeah you'd be welcome mate if anytime you're across the pacific or whatever it's called you'd be welcome
0: yeah well, I want to ask you one more question. Uh, we'll, sure. we'll shift shift back to kind of the Christmas, since Christmas is at hand for some guys. You know, yeah. you see a ton of movies, like you said, about the reason for the season kind of and its, you know, Christmas cheer, family, everything like that. But I, you and I both being Christians, we kind of use it as an opportunity to kind of just remember the uh, mm-hmm. birth of Christ, God with us. So. Just, I, I just want to kind of. I didn't ask tell you I was going to do this, but thought I'd put you on the spot. But uh, yeah, what's, right. what's the Christmas, you know, God with us kind of thing mean to you? Like, if there's anything that just kind of stands out to you about Christmas and what it really means, um, what would that be for you, Daniel?
1: Probably, probably hope, mate. I, you know, as a Christian and reading the Bible and, and, you know, understanding the story of, of Jesus and, um, and God's mission to to bring people back to Himself. I guess what I've been learning lately is is about hope. You know, there's hope uh, through Jesus, um, because you know he he brings us the opportunity to. I guess a lot, like, and also forgiveness. You know, um, God is a loving and forgiving God, and you know I've had my own experiences with that, and and I feel. Since coming to Jesus and actually giving God a chance, um, and allowing Him to to do a work in me, um, yeah, I guess it's it's life changing stuff. And and until I gave Him that chance, I just I I didn't really get it. I didn't understand it. And you know, God sent Jesus to to die for our sins and everything we've done wrong and everything we will do wrong. You know, and as Christians and anyone who receives that that gift um, can be forgiven for all things, and 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 I live at peace now. You know, I'm not condemned anymore, Trav, for the things that I used to do. Um, yeah. I'm set free, mate, and 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 it's you know it's a real it's a real deal. Um, you know, I, I really enjoy sharing my faith with people because, again, that ho- the hope that I have that they might find what we've found for themselves. It that's that that is that kicks me along to it pushes me along to to step out and, and share our faith to share the story of Jesus because of that hope and and being able to set fr- people free from from the chains and from the you know I mean we all know people who are caught up in drugs and alcohol and and, and addictions of all sorts or you know um, just just all sorts of of trouble in life. Um, not even just trouble, but just I guess, as the Bible says, the ways of the world, the greed, um, you know, like love of money and 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 the selfishness. Um, and that's something that God's helped me to to get rid of in my life. you know uh, I yeah. used to think quite selfishly, and and sometimes you still do, but because of what we're reading and what God's done in our hearts, we understand it. We can see it. So then I'm working on it and 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 God's helping me to change for the better. you know any any change that comes from God's only good because, you know everything that God does is good. Um, so you know, I guess the message of Christmas, made is that that um, that God loves us, and 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 He loves us so much that He gave up His own Son to 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 take His to take our place, you know, um, on the cross, and and yeah, offer us that forgiveness. And it's there as soon if we want it, we can have it. And um, I just really encourage people along with you to just to think about it, you know. Yeah that's look the best, best gift
0: that you could ever take
1: you know yeah, exactly exactly and it's life-changing mate and um yeah i just encourage people to step out and have a look for themselves because he's there and he and he's he's knocking on your door he's just um he wants you to know him personally for yourself
0: i appreciate you saying that i i think a lot of times we think christmas sometimes it can be you know a little cute you know you have the picture the nativity scene and it's a real mm-hmm. you know almost looks like it's just peaceful there's like this manger and it's hay and I mean, just but anybody out there that has kids, just picture that your kid was just born like in like a a barn that's filled with animals and, you know, what Mm -hmm. animals do. I mean, it's not a pretty, (laughs) it's not a pretty scenario. It's, it's, uh, Jesus comes into like a mess of a situation. Um, they can't find a room to stay in. He's, I mean, it's just not, there's no dad that would be happy about that situation. No mom that would be excited about that situation. And that's what Jesus is born into. And so and it's just kind of symbolic of what he does his whole life. He, he enters our mess, becomes our Messiah, and uh, everything's changed. So oh, I appreciate you saying that, man.
1: No worries, man. No, no, thanks for asking the question. Yeah, no worries. Yeah.
0: Well, I want to say uh, Merry Christmas to you guys. Thank you for coming on again. And I uh, hope to hear some more stories in the future from you, Daniel. And uh, thanks, thanks so much for giving us a little bit of your time.
1: No, you're welcome, mate. I appreciate um, you having me back on, and uh, yeah, God bless you, and uh, yeah, have a good Christmas, mate, and, and enjoy it all.
0: There you have it. Enjoyed talking to Daniel, as always, and I want to thank you guys for coming back listening to another episode. I hope that you have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and remember to shed the light.